don't do it. So my gym is located across the street from a park. We'll warm up with a uh, five-point game of ultimate football, but we use a rugby ball. And how do we get to the park? We partner up and you carry uh, kettlebells or a heavy medicine ball. So we're carrying stuff there. Then we do some uh, movement prep to get the body and the ankles ready and stuff like that. And we'll do some segue into jumping and hand walking and crawling. Then we do a five-point game. That was Zach Evanesh, and you're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Lost Empire Herbs. You can get 15% off my favorite herbs for well-being and athletic performance by heading to lostempireherbs.com slash justfly. About three years ago, I got into herbalism after having Logan Christopher on the podcast, starting with the Phoenix formula, which literally had my body buzzing after I took it. Not in a jittery way, like coffee, but in a way where I really felt the herbs working with my body. Within two weeks, I was already noticeably stronger in the weight room. And ever since, I've made herbalism a regular part of my training regimen. I've totally ditched any sort of caffeine-laden pre-workout, and I really enjoy using supplements that come directly from the earth. Lost Empire Herbs was started by Logan Christopher and his two brothers to help bring back the lost empire of nature in our connection to it, and to bring the power of herbs to the general public. Again, if you want to see my favorite herbs, such as Shilijit, which has been mentioned by other podcast guests on this show, Phoenix Formula, and more, as well as get 15% off your purchase alongside a 365-day money-back guarantee, head to lostempireherbs.com slash justfly. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Great to have you here. Our guest today is strength and performance coach, Zach Evanesh. Zach is the founder of the Underground Strength Gym, and he's been a leading figure in creative and adaptive strength and performance means for years. Zach is the host of the Strong Life podcast, the creator of many educational resources in the realm of human performance, and he's been a two-time guest on this show. As the world moves forward, it gets more complex, and we try to make things perfect so much today. We try to control things. We want the perfect program, the perfect team, perfect this and that. We have to remember that one of our trademarks as being human beings is being adaptable. And sometimes I think we don't think about our nature in that way. And on the show today, Zach will speak about that. He'll talk about the importance of imperfect and chaotic elements in training. He'll talk about his menu-based training days, as well as what we can learn from training that breaks the rules sometimes, that might not play by the typical expected rules, but that can still teach athletes powerful lessons and lead to great adaptation. Finally, Zach hits on important elements of community in a modern world where we are oftentimes so busy we fail to connect. Zach is a really wise coach, and I really enjoy talking to him and getting his perspective on things. I know you guys will love this show, uh, so let's get on to episode 341 with Coach Zach Evanesh. You know, I was going to uh, ask you, Zach, you were, t- I, in jest, you said this, I believe that you were thinking of renaming your gym, the Underground Speed Gym, because <laughs> then more, yeah. more people, more kids or clients would come in the door. I mean, what's what's going on with that? I think that's kind of an interesting story. Yeah, yeah I uh, I actually brought it up to my wife because I'm getting a new sign made outside the gym. Not that you could even see us, you know, that's a whole nother thing. Like I think the 10 plus years ago, if you were tucked away in a warehouse, industrial plaza, you're fine. But now that doesn't work as good. 
And so my wife said, I told her, I think I'm going to change the underground because I kind of have two, it's underground strength gym, but I own the do- the web domain underground strength club. So I'm like, ah, I bet you if I called it underground speed club, we'd be busier because parents, whenever they ask me about training, they never say my son needs to get stronger. You know, they always use the phrase speed and agility. And so us coaches have these dialogues back and forth, whether it's podcast or Twitter or a phone call. And we talk about strength training because we know the terminology, but the layperson does not, including parents who played college sports. They still ask, what about speed and agility? They don't understand anything about training. You know, an example is the last mom I spoke with, her son plays baseball. You and I had this conversation. They drive an hour away. He's an eighth grader to do an arm care program. So she's asking me, you know, will he have to sign up for a a different class for strength, a different class for speed and agility? And all I wanted to do was shout and talk to her about the bullshit she's been sold. (laughs) You know, I wanted to scream. I was so, it's really, it's a disappointing segment of our field. You know, I, I, I struggle calling it a profession sometimes. And so People are afraid of the word strength. They immediately associate it with being slow, with squatting, with putting weight on your back, with deadlifting, with getting injured. That's what the majority, you know, when they hear the word strength, they don't understand that kids could get strong by sprinting. They don't understand that kids could get strong by throwing medicine balls and, you know, jumping rope. And I'll say, like, I was thinking about this. Our kids jump rope during every warm up. I was like, how many places are teaching quote unquote speed and agility, but don't develop the feet and ankles and don't get kids jumping rope before they start doing all this like special stuff. So I don't know if I'm going to switch it to the underground speed club. I might be overthinking it, but I mean, how much business stuff have I put out as far as like branded content? And then does it open the doors for the people who have already stolen the underground strength gym name, there's people in like Boston, Texas, Australia who call it underground strength gym or underground strength training or underground strength fitness. And it's like, come on, bro. So it's like, does it even matter anymore? You know, I don't even, I honestly, with the whole business name, it's confusing. I, I couldn't even tell you what the heck I'm going to do. It's very confusing. Yeah. It's almost, um, it's almost like the whole thing is in need of a, a renaming or rebranding. You could just call everything having to do with like speed and power and athleticism. You could just call that like human training, like a- anything a human being does that you amplify, like, uh, you know, then that's human training, right? Like carrying things or picking things up and putting them down, sprinting and jumping. It's not, it's, it's almost like parents are conditioned to look for something else besides that, you know, like, oh, well, if you just bust out the cones and ladders, then that, that's gotta be it. You know, it, and then, so if you just had like human training or just, you know, whatever term that is. And then it's funny, you know, with Michael Zwiefel's recent uh, appearance, he was talking about to get faster specifically to your sport, you have to have things that are representative was the term he used of the actual task. And especially as you start to specialize more, it'd be funny if um, parents came up saying, hey, uh, can I get some training that's representative to the tasks of <laughs> the sport my kid plays? <laughs> right. Uh, that'd be awesome. It's just, yeah, it is, it's, it's almost like a comedy, you know, when you've been in it long. It's not though, like the jump roping. I, I've had kids 
can't even jump rope more than 10 times in a row. And it's like, look, if you can't jump rope more than 10 times in a row, you know, I could have the world's greatest biomechanical program all set up for you. But I don't know how much good it's going to do if you can't jump rope more than 10 times. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's interesting, you know, to think about the layers of these things as you progress forward and you, as you eat, as you unlock and earn the corresponding layer beyond it. And then, you know, what specificity is, but it's interesting, man. Yeah. Rethinking of terms. That would be a good, that'd be a good project. Yeah. And I look at the gyms that have like speed or elite speed (laughs) or elite. Yeah, and uh, I don't have any elite kids showing up at all. You know, the goal is to build you into something elite. And now, you know, what is your frame of reference with elite? You know, I've coached guys that, you know, compete internationally. And so am I putting your middle school kid into an elite uh, elite speed academy? And then I start struggling with the whole integrity thing, like, is this all just bullshit, the naming and the, mm-hmm. the whole game of business to like trick people into, tr- into squatting? I feel so like it's so fake. <laughs> yeah. I hate it, to say that. It is interesting. I do think a lot like 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you know that we'll look back and, be, and look at particular things in the industry and be like, oh man, you know? And it'll be interesting to think about that I guess in a utopia versus a dystopia, you know, <laughs> like, like what, what would a good, what would an advanced like system look like? Obviously, your kids would just play all the time outside and have a lot more free play, have a lot more, you know, unsupervised play, play tons of sports and just be having fun and climbing trees and, you know, jumping over obstacles and, and maybe doing some manual labor, like stuff like that. Right. And, and then, and then eventually start the process of specializing. But it's, yeah, it's interesting to think what, the ideal was. And I think sometimes we idealize the past too in interesting ways. You know, the past wasn't perfect either, but there was a lot of really good things in the past uh, as well. Yep. The freedom. It was the freedom to play. What's interesting is I learned like it's kind of where you grow up because some places still have that. We live in a little beach town. So when we have those warmer months, like my son is gone all day and my wife's like, I got to get him home. I'm like, no, let him stay out. So he'll be at the beach all day. And what are they doing at the beach? They play tackle football. They play wiffle ball. Then they surf. Then they go back mm-hmm. and play football. Then they might play volleyball. Then they eat pizza, you know? <laughs> so guess what? I want him gone. I want him in the sun. I want him swimming. And it's made him, it's gotten his body strong. And now our town opened a, uh, it's part of the school and part of the recreation. They opened a big bubble. So they got a big turf area. They have a small weight room. I think, well, it's, they have like double-sided squat racks. They got the wrestling room in there. But Friday night, they're open till 10. And same thing on Saturday. And then Sunday, I, I don't know what time, but Friday and Saturday, my son is in that bubble with his friends and they play soccer, oh, awesome. football. Yeah, they lowered the cages. So he was hitting. So his sports that he plays, He's 14, eighth grade. He plays uh, basketball and baseball. But guess what? He's doing soccer. And uh, you know you know how we think. We're like, oh, that is the heat and agility. Yeah. And then all the running on the sand in the uh, summertime. Uh, I know people would be like, oh, don't run on the sand. It doesn't get your tendons stiff. 
well, you know, we're getting athletic. I see a lot of these uh, kids who specialize, you know, they're getting arm care programs in eighth grade. I've seen <laughs> middle school kids with, I'm, I'm not sure what the uh, phrase is. We'd have to kind of get somebody who's dialed in in the baseball community. Like these kids are getting some sort of like a fracture in their back from baseball, from swinging uh, and rotating the same way, eight, seven, eight, nine, ten years in a row. Yeah, it's kind of like taking a garden hose to go put out a fire, and it's like, why don't you just not start the fire, you know, in the first place? The whole play facility too. Jeremy Frisch said something about that a long time ago. Like his dream would be like a play facility, something like what you're describing. To me, that's amazing. And it it's kind of like, too, I mean, if you, like some of these parents or, I mean, heck, even I think a lot of coaches, like you put yourself back in the shoes of a 14-year-old or something playing all these games. I was just working out at a facility today and it was a, a big, huge track team came in to train. And before they were going through their warm-up, some of the kids were like playing football, like doing football routes with like the physio ball. Like they were throwing the physio ball, big giant physio ball as if it was oh, a football. Nice. But it was like, these guys were like fast, I mean, so fast and explosive, just even trying to juke and shake each other out on the routes. And, you know, I always compare anything that an athlete does in the gym to basically those explosive warm-up activities. Like, what's the intensity? What's the intention? You know, how fast are limbs moving? How much force are you putting down? And, and, And is there a sense of rhythm? And, you know, and then you could just as easily, you know, these kids didn't do that afterwards. They went to to lift, but like... There would be so many situations where those kids would be doing that. And I've seen this. But then, you know, someone busts out the cones and they just kind of run around the cones, but it's not with that same intensity. And it's almost like to have like an inner gauge for intensity. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that is so, that is so early on the totem pole, I feel like, or high on the totem pole, <laughs> whatever you want to put it. Like that to me is so key. And to, to say, oh, you're not getting, oh, well, this is speed and agility with like the cones and ladders and not look at a sport or playing multiple sports or just playing fun games that are intense, you know, as, as a very high level form of that. I definitely think it's a mistake. You, you and I have that. Yeah, you and I, though, Joel, we have that personality where we like to see that. So that kind of feeds to our coaching style, whereas some coaches really believe in kind of the the skill training, maybe the closed loop stuff as developmental and then they move into some of the games or maybe no games at all but i'm like you i look at sport and i always say to myself look at how wild everything is look at how uncertain and just imperfect competition is where you know as i call it like shtf you know preparing for when shit hits the fan a sport has no absolutes so when i'm training i want their body to feel comfortable in awkward positions so like you're saying these tag games are games where i'm mirroring you and then i have to chase you when you hear a verbal command or visually see a hand signal i think that's important the kids compete harder which is something that the uh, software has brought to the table is i feel kids really have forgotten how to compete but all of a sudden you start involving the score or software where they can see the velocity. Now they compete. Um, but here's the flip side to that. I always like to play devil's advocate. Okay, you move the bar faster, but do you have like good technique or was the technique so sloppy that it kind of uh, doesn't matter how fast you moved it? Because uh, fast with proper technique is one thing versus 
fast with sloppy technique. Um, that's to me, that's a whole nother area that, uh, I'm honestly concerned with. And, and some of the, you know, I'm not saying this generation, that generation, some coaches don't know what great technique should look like. And so they might have the software and they're pushing velocity, but they don't, uh, catch the minute details like, you know, whether I'm doing cleans or, you know, I look at kids when they do push-ups. I look at their trunk position. I even look at kids when they do curls. Do they know how to like get their shoulders in a good position versus slouched position? So I look at technique a lot and then uh, finding ways for kids to to compete. But um, I, I don't know, man. Today, I'm, I'm going to I want to segue into this, Joel. This is interesting. That's on my mind today. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. Matt Gates. Do you know Matt Gates from XP with Tony Villani? His uh, uh, combine partner. He uh, doesn't go much on Twitter. Maybe I, I'm not sure. I know Tony Villani, but I don't know if right. I know Matt. I know you did. You had Tony on the podcast. So Matt is his partner. They do the they do the combine and the train together. And it was interesting. He made a comment about like the majority of his interns these past two weeks. I think like 75 percent of them have. Uh, called out sick or shown up late and he said something like six to eight years ago that never would have happened mm. it's like is that just me or am i getting crazy here and matt i don't think likes twitter so all of a sudden you know the twitter responses mm. and it it was like when people argue about box squat versus free squat so of course you have people like listen man what do you you want somebody to show up sick and wipe out your whole gym and he's like i he's like we're pretty fit people i don't think a little sniffle is going to wipe out the whole gym, you know? And then some people are like, listen, man, one time I, I was interning and I had to miss because uh, my wife was giving birth. All right. Matt's not talking about an intern, you know, his wife giving birth. He's talking about people missing and just struggling to be kind of gritty and tough. And I said to myself, that's a lot of athletes today. They struggle with the grit and toughness because everything is so perfect. Closed loop. You know, do this running drill versus race somebody or try to tag somebody or go out and play dodgeball. And, uh, you know, of course, somebody said, man, if I'm sick, um, I'll just stay home instead of showing up for some unpaid internship where I'm slaving away. And I think to myself, wow, we somebody now is equating an internship where they learn from guys who have like the best combine group ever for year after year and we're equating it with slavery right like you're slaving when i thought to myself uh were you a teacher joel in your early days um not like high school or anything i did co- i did uh lecture a few college coach classes that, uh yes type classes yeah right so as a teacher we go through student teaching which is a semester so it's about 16 weeks 14 weeks you don't get paid and man do you work your face off um you know, Sunday, I was writing so many lesson plans. I'm researching stuff to teach health. Tons and tons of work. Not once. What I didn't call out sick. I didn't even know you were allowed to call out sick. And um, not once was I like, I got to get paid. But that internship um, completely set me up for success in teaching uh, with skill and to have uh, a network. A lot of guys that uh, intern or coach with me, they either they go on to D1 coaches. One of our guys, you know, uh, runs the show at DeFranco's. I mean, 
they go to colleges. So it's just interesting kind of like when we make things easy and perfect, whether you're a coach, whether you're an athlete, it works against you. That's why I always talk about this imperfect training is actually perfect because it best prepares you for sport. And uh, interning as a strength coach is really important because it prepares you for the day you get paid. You don't just, we usually don't just show up and, and, uh, someplace and, and get paid right out of the gate, you know? So, you know, it's interesting to see the way people are thinking now. And I think the internet has made it, um, I don't know, everything's so accessible and easy. I, I screwed up a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I resonate with the spirit of that pretty heavily. And I think that it is kind of like the, the mentality of, well, send your kid to this elite program and they're going to somehow learn all these skills or send them to this speed training class. and They're somehow going to be faster in their sport in a way that's, I mean, it's, it's very interesting to think about that versus uh, the one thing with imperfect training that I, I feel like it's a mirror of nature in so many ways because na- nature is chaotic. Like, can you look at a tree is like, are all the branches like equally, you know, no, they're all over the place. Right. Right. They have like a basic pattern behind them, but there's, all this and that's what makes like a painting beautiful it's what makes like a mountain range beautiful if a mountain range was all like very equal like perfect points you know it would be like man that looks weird like that's (laughs) that's kind of odd it's all the little uh, rough edges that are a a big deal with all that and it make it great it makes it beautiful your analogy to nature is awesome and by the way i love how you think you always have this kind of like deeper level of thinking this stuff joel it's never just like you don't equate everything to strength and conditioning to sport but when you mentioned nature can't remember which coach told me this a buddy of mine man i cannot remember where he was talking about this was a football team out in texas and uh annie i'm on podcast they were out in texas and as you know the texas heat in the summer 100 plus degrees i remember when i was out in texas the uh cab driver told me it's not odd to have 100 days in a row over 100 degrees but the football team was training indoors because of the heat. And then their first game, you know, you're not competing indoors, was a massive like washout. Guys were cramping. Guys were just struggling with their conditioning because they trained in the controlled environment, air conditioned, the uh, climate controlled environment. And so it screwed them up. And I think I got lucky like coming across kind of this quote unquote old school slash vintage training stuff where I would see uh, sport teams or athletes training outside. And I was like, man, look how awesome that is. Like one of my favorite videos, I saw it in 2009 when I was at Wake Forest. Coach Reeve had it on DVD. It was the Polish weightlifting team and they do their warm up outside. Do you remember that video? Of course, it's on YouTube now. Yeah. I do, yeah. But they're uh, cross-country skiing. They're throwing logs. They're running through the woods. That's amazing. Um, they're yeah. playing kind of like full contact uh, basketball. We call that. I, I've Tackle I've done basketball. that warm up with the football team. Yeah, we call it uh, Russian basketball because I've seen Russian wrestlers do it, where they're um, it's kind of like they're grabbing each other. They're not dribbling perfectly, but what are they doing? They're running. They're jumping. Uh, they're cutting back and forth. So they're building. I, I always talk to kids when we do like uh, sprinting and then decelerate. If they're wrestlers, I'll say this here strengthens your legs. So when you do 
you know, this takedown or when you're on bottom or when you're on top, your legs are strong enough to hold the guy. And so um, it makes sense to them. But I think I got lucky coming across a lot of that outdoor training stuff because I implemented it. And that's how we got our guys. I think that's how we got our guys strong and fit was I didn't limit my training to the weights. And uh, I, I, I still don't do it. So my gym is located across the street from a park. We'll warm up with a uh, five-point game of ultimate football, but we use a rugby ball. And how do we get to the park? We partner up and you carry uh, kettlebells or a heavy medicine ball. So we're carrying stuff there. Then we do some uh, movement prep to get the body and the ankles ready and stuff like that. And we'll do some segue into jumping and hand walking and crawling. Then we do a five-point game. Then we carry everything back. And then I kind of switch up the training. I might like just jump them right into a main lift and couple it with a, another jump or some sort of supplemental exercise. And because uh, we took 30 minutes, you know, we carried to the street, played, carried back, but they don't realize we're training, you know, and probably their parents don't, don't either, but it's really the <laughs> ultimate form of training because they're sprinting, they're jumping. I remember Donnie Thompson saw the video of us warming up at the park. We're doing hand walking. And he's like, his comment was, that'll get you stronger than any, than any bench press ever can. And, you know, that's a guy, the first guy who powerlifted 3000 total pounds saying hand walking, get you strong. And so I train alone personally. And so I hand walk using those glute ham rollers. And man, I mean, my abs don't get worked like that on any exercise. It is like brutal on the body. So that stuff to me has been proven to work. And I think, you know, talking about elite athleticism, there's certainly a genetic component to all that. But how I could get you really damn good if you. Uh, get athletic and that's why i like the stuff you talk about is like all these different games and uh, I, I purchased that ebook from the guy you did the podcast with what's his last name mike oh yeah michael zwiefel yeah the, the, the bba performance game book game book 3.0 one of the best resources ever it's like elementary phys ed stuff and then uh so yesterday i was like man i forgot to do push-up wrestling where you're in the push-up <laughs> position you got to pull the guy down I used to do that in the elementary school. We used to do tug of war. We used to do leg wrestling where you lay on your back and the legs like lock against each other and you try to like flip the guy over. You know, today, can you imagine how many kids necks would be injured and I'd get sued if I did like leg wrestling at the school? We did arm wrestling and um, it's just like, you, we don't do this. Physical education, as you and I have said so many times, there's pockets of great phys ed teachers but there's not enough of it where it's like a normal centralized thing like let's say i'm in the town of whatever smithville alabama you know i'll just use my town for example i'm in manasquan new jersey not all the kids from here could do a pull-up or a push-up and uh if physical education was more challenging but we stray away from that. We don't want to do presidential physical fitness tests because it's too hard and somebody can't run a mile and everybody has asthma now. It's like it's out of control, dude. Yeah. So it's up to the parents to yeah. really train their kids.
I wanted to take a quick break from the show and let you know if you haven't heard already about my online course, Elastic Essentials. If you're curious what my training program, my philosophy is, the outlook that I have on the process of training an athlete and maximizing the elastic outputs, all the things a human being does, sprint, throw, jump, how do we maximize those things? Then you'll definitely want to check out my online course. You can find it on justflysports.com. Head to the bright banner on the right that says Elastic Essentials. The course is worth CEUs for the NSCA, NASM, and others. And I think you'll really enjoy it. Coaches have loved it. They've said they'd pay over twice what they did for it. And there's a ton of info in there. Really proud of it. And I know you'll love it. So when you get a chance, go ahead and check that out. Elastic Essentials on justflysports.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, for sure. You know, I just had an interesting thought. This wasn't really related to the next thing I was going to say. I was going to talk a little bit more about kind of the nature principles of training and, and things like that. But it's almost as if on some level, I was watching a cool video uh, maybe like three months ago. Uh, I think it was After School is the YouTube channel, but it was basically the idea that a lot of influencers can be fall prey to the phenomenon where they are they are overly influenced by their audience. So they might do a video on YouTube and then they start reading the comments and they get rewarded for one type of video and they don't get rewarded for another type. And eventually there was this one guy that they were highlighting. He was like a, like he think he was a vegan. He played violin. He was in a normal weight range. And then he decided to not be a vegan anymore. He was doing like, he did like food eating videos or something like that. And his audience kept saying like, oh, eat this, eat that. And, and they were like really egging him on to like do crazier things. And then like three years later, he's like obese, he's belligerent, like he's like a completely different version of himself. And the idea the idea behind the video was that he actually, and maybe that side of him always did reside within him, but he was so influenced by what his audience wanted to see and what they liked that he completely changed who he was. And, you know, on some level, I feel like, isn't that what, what if the parents like, I mean, so much of it, right? Like if parents like seeing the cones and ladders and drills and the neat little sprint drills and things like that, or the, you know, like things they associate with agility that they've been taught to associate with these qualities. You know what I'm saying? Versus just like, like you said, Hey, these kids are playing like ultimate football with a rugby ball, you know, or even, or even they're carrying like heavy logs around or something that's like a little different, right? It's just, it's to me, it's interesting, you know, if if the parents saw these kids playing this game, they'd be like, oh, I'm, am I paying for this? Like, they could just go do this out in the streets. Well, they should be doing it out in the street. <laughs> like, I just kind of money to think about how but You that- know what? It's great athletic work, which as I've seen for 20 plus years, the greatest athlete, whatever that sport is, is athletic. And, uh, you know, you and I were texting back and forth after your podcast with Michael. And um, I said, never before, and I posted this on Instagram, never before have I seen and worked with kids who are so busy going to so many different sport clubs and sport training, yet achieve so Mm -hmm. little. They're achieving less than ever before. Two years ago was the first time ever, including my time out of my parents' garage, that I did not have a wrestler qualify for the state tournament. We're talking about kids who wrestle all year long, mm-hmm. minus like two weeks in August. So you're lifting two to three days a week. You're wrestling, you know, four days a week. And, you know, you got a mindset coach, you got a nutrition mm-hmm. coach, you got this coach, you got that coach. And we still can't qualify for the States yet. Guess what the kids did in my early years? They went to one wrestling club, mm-hmm. which was open three days a week. 
and they trained with me two to three days a week. That's it. They didn't have 50 different options. I gave them basic nutrition guidelines, and this is how they, they got better. People could say, oh, the competition is better. Maybe, but you know, the kids are not blowing my mind with all the stuff they're doing. They're really, uh, and then of course we have kids that burn out and quit by the time they're juniors. They're sick of sports, whether it's softball, hockey, wrestling, you name it. They're just doing it over and over. You know, I, I told my son's, uh, travel baseball coaches, I said, listen, I'm not sending him to winter training where he's going to keep swinging the bat over and over again. And this is why we got kids with back injuries. And I said, no offense, but you guys running speed and agility? I go, that's what I do. I go, you're a baseball coach. I told them that. And I said, he's going to do the training at my gym. And I don't care if these coaches come across this, but one of the baseball coaches is fat. So what do you really know about when you're out of shape and unfit? What is, and I, you know, I said, like, what is the agility in baseball for? What am I dodging? Why are you using that phrase? And, uh, you know, you're mentioning the influence of uh, the comments and stuff. My website is probably going to not have the, too much of the word strength when I'm getting it kind of redone. It's going to have to say speed and agility, first step quickness, power. It's going to have to say inviting words because it's really getting hard to get people to understand like what it is that we do. And, um, I was looking at like space to rent. And I said to myself, I can't rent space anymore. I need to buy a place and train 10 to 20 kids and do exactly what I'm supposed to do versus this vegan who listens to his comments and does what they say. And, uh, one of the coaches uh, that I know, great guy interned for me, coached for me, runs his own business now. He sent me a video of the guy who's like always lifting different weights, yet he's on a skateboard and he's balancing all this stuff. And I think he's like almost at 200,000 subscribers. So the guy messages me. He's like, you could be like this. You could post all this, you know, stupid shit and get to 200,000 followers. Because we always have this conversation. Like, who are we serving? Am I getting more followers of people that just laugh at me and watch me do dumb stuff? Or am I actually helping people? So with my YouTube, maybe I'm shortening the videos a little bit, but I still want to educate people. I don't want to be known as this, you know, uh, jokester who entertains people. And, uh, you know, Brett Contreras has done some real deep posts on this where he's like, listen, like 10, 15, 20 years ago, you would not be able to make these outrageous claims of like sumo deadlifts is bad for everybody. You know, that's what social media algorithm is now rewarding very like black and white polarizing comments you know he's like look i'm training you know 20 women but he trains more than that but let's say he says 20 women five of them can't sumo deadlift one of them says it hurts her hips the other one doesn't get results from it he's like but influencers don't know this because they don't go and actually test and train people they're just training themselves and they're ripped and so Will people listen to Joel and Zach Evanish more if we take our shirts off, if we're ripped? Yeah, they will. You'll just have more followers. But who are we really changing? Who are we educating? Our circle of people, you know, the people that go to Simply Faster and this like Twitter group of people, 
there's no quote unquote normal people looking at our comments as we argue about squatting and velocity and what's more important strength or power or do i need more force for the first 10 yards of my 40 it's just us and so we're not i i fear that we're not helping people that way and um people we need to help are not really following us i think somebody like brett Contreras really you know he solved the problem he women want to have bigger butts and he solved their problem by teaching them strength and hypertrophy work and it's actually like if you did those programs for sports performance and you added jumping and sprinting and med ball throws, now you got a pretty good program. And I saw a coach was like upset. He's like, stop telling people that if they just add sprints, jumps, and throws that now they have a good program. He's like, it, you know, it uh, like disrespects our, our information. It's not that simple. I understand it's not that simple, but the stuff that Brett Contreras does, his programming he's strengthening the muscles involved in sports. I get it. Like that guy, Michael Zufel, he was saying, look, everybody's doing, everybody's deadlifting and cleaning and doing Bulgarian split squats. And uh, I've also said like, what if you squat 500, but my team also squats 550? Are we going to beat you if it's a football team? I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't, I know teams we beat this year in football where, I don't even know if I had any kids squat 405 and we beat a team where a lot of kids squat over 405. So you have so many factors. You have the speed, the athleticism, the IQ of the game. But I think, you know, just staying the course with sharing training information that legitimately impacts people and not being a comedian that's just focused on entertainment. You know, we're in a strange place where there's so much information out there. And people looking to get their kids trained still don't realize that their kid is weak. You know, give me speed and agility, but my son can't do a push-up. There's a lot of information on it, but we're, I don't think we're reaching them. Yeah. It's weird times, strange times. Yeah, I want to I hone in on something you said, Zach, with kids are doing, and you, you see this. I mean, I, I, my um, you know, in-person coaching, I've done a lot of youth soccer now, like five and six years old, which has been awesome. <laughs> see clients a few times a week in person. But it's, I'm not so much in the world of working with kids who are all, I'm starting to get there, working with kids who are all over the place. But, and you're right, they are doing more but accomplishing less. And you think about, well, why is that? And there was that article in The Atlantic a few years ago. It was talking about like squash players. And, and it's funny because it got retracted because there was some false information because I think they wanted it. Maybe they wanted it to be true so much, you know, and they pushed it out. But it was basically like squash players who had a coach for this and that. And every, they, were, they were the true overserved athlete. They had everything they needed. And it led to a lot of pressure and burnout and stuff like that. But it's, I think about it in terms of, um, and I mentioned something like this around the time that I maybe mean, was on the last podcast Dan John was on this one. It was like it was like training modalities that because they are so rich in and of themselves, they offer so much more than than a bunch of weak modalities. And what I mean by that is like I don't even just think about playing ultimate, you know, rugby or ultimate football for a warm up. Like that is so information rich. It is like, it's like, you could say it's like uh, kids uh, doing all these different things. It's like, they're just eating iceberg. They're eating a lot of iceberg lettuce, you know, like you go to an arm care program, you got like six or seven exercises, but like, what's the intensity they're performed at? Like, what's the meaning of the movement? Like, what about just yes. swinging like uh, Indian clubs for like 10 minutes, you know? And that, again, I'm not even saying it's more the, the lack of free play and too much baseball. That's the problem, let alone the arm care. But I like to think about 
training on the level of density and richness. And, and I just, I, it so easily gets lost because it's, well, just be on this team, just be on this travel team. And I, I think even in the weight room, I got, I got bored of that a long time ago. I, I, you know, especially kind of the, when I first started at Cal, it would be like, all right, let's do warm up, let's get into the big lifts, and then let's ride auxiliaries all the way down. And by the time we were yeah, just riding, I'm the, so, you're so bored uh, of Oh, that I was shit. so bored. I was, I would, I would just find like interns to talk to. I'd be twiddling my thumbs. I'd be looking at the clock. And that forced, and if I'm bored, you think those athletes who aren't even the strength coach and didn't decide to be the strength coach are excited about it? Not really. I mean, they're moving at least, and, and the Check. driven ones are into it, but that really led yeah. me to reassess that whole like it's like how can i provide the richest possible densest quality session of training for you and i that makes me think too about your original garage training group you know and yes and i think that we just don't think of it on that level we it's like everyone wants all right what's the best exercises what's the best you know exercises for this or that and it's like yeah i mean exercises are good and and you know replicating movements and motions is good but it's also there's also like a richness to things. <laughs> and, and that in- also involves the environment, involves the community, involves like kind of a more human level orientation to the whole thing. It's not just the exercise. It's like how rich is your train? Just like a good steak <clears throat> loaded with macronutrients or a good like, you know, you know, maybe some organ meats or something that's really loaded with nutrients <laughs> versus iceberg lettuce. You know, you could eat all the iceberg lettuce in the world, but it's, you know, at some point you have to have a true richness to your training program. You know, so many things you touch upon when you mentioned getting bored with the programming. I don't know if we had this conversation, but I I actually did it on Friday where I let the kids create their own program for the day. But during COVID, when I had to uh, furlough my coaches, I was coaching every day. And I remember I was like, I'm so sick of running the same warm up and trying to change it. These little minute Mm -hmm. details. And then did I tell you about that day? And I just said, you guys. You guys run the warm up today. And um, it was like the fall after COVID. So, you know, nobody wanted to touch anybody. But one of our wrestlers like grabbed a kid that's could have been like a foot taller than him and just like put him on his back. He was like, holy shit. So they did a buddy carry. (laughs) Then they did the piggyback ride. Then they did the uh, wheelbarrow walk. And I was like, man, they got creative right away. Then another group did medicine ball, dodgeball. Okay, I was like, "Oh God, we're gonna put a hole." It's like the Jackass too. I think that was. <laughs> That's not <laughs> yeah. even their era. And I think medicine ball, a uh, dodgeball should be done with like a physio ball. They went with the six pound med balls. Like, oh God, somebody's gonna get killed. But you know what? I was like, I'm just letting it rip. I'm gonna let yeah. them do it. Friday, I was training, and it's it has not happened in a long time. I just had the girls, the softball team. They were so hyped to have the whole weight room, the turf, and the bubble was open because track had their meet. So um, they did partner buddy carries, carrying each other on their back, which requires a lot of strength. There's kids who can't carry somebody on their back. Sometimes somebody jumps on the back and they crumble, you know, like a deck of cards. They just fall over. These girls have been training. Their legs are strong, their back, their knees, their ankles. So they did like any squat. So it was like a front squat or a back squat or a dumbbell squat. So it said any squat. Then it said uh, any partner carry. So they, they carried each other on their backs. Then I can't remember what they did for upper body. It may have been like any lunge. A lot of it was like any this, any that. So any row, kettlebell row, cable row, recline row. Then when we were done, we did uh, team sprints. 
And, um, you know, the, the intelligent strength coach would be like, whoa, softball players don't sprint that far during a game. Why would I do it in training? Because it built fitness. They were racing each other. The competition made them run fast. That, that builds speed. Them having to change and sprint back is deceleration and change of direction. If they're ever stealing bases or when they're turning bases. So, you know, this when you become too smart as a strength coach, now everything's like off limits and everything's got to be perfect. But I think it's good to get bored and say, hey, let's do something else and do the, like you're saying, like I got bored and you, I let them create the workout. So we do it on Wednesdays at my gym. We call it Wacky Wednesday where there's no rules and it's supposed to not make sense. So don't do sets of five and 10, do seven, 13, 21, you know, do benching coupled with curls. Do benching coupled with a landmine press. What would the intelligence strength coach say? No, that's a push plus a push. You can't do two pushing exercises. Why? Right? Let them do it wrong at least some of the time. Not dangerous, not bad technique, but quote unquote program design it wrong. So they have fun. So they get excited to train. And when I look back to those garage days, when I wasn't so dialed in with everything, they worked a lot harder because of it. So now I catch myself like jumping only three reps. God forbid you jump more than three reps because mm -hmm. then the force output is not as much on the fourth and the fifth rep. But sometimes an athlete needs more power endurance. So they need to mentally learn to exert on reps four and five. So we also didn't train just in the garage. We trained in the backyard carrying, uh, you know, pushing around a wheelbarrow with another guy in it. My backyard had like this little hill part to it. So you're going down and you're trying to wrestle it to one way. You know, we climbed a rope, we carried a tree log. We, we swung a um, sledgehammer on the old tree stump. We pushed my truck. We sprinted hills or carried a guy on our back up the hill. And I remember talking with Louis Simmons asking him what he was doing for the MMA fighters and said, we do a lot of man work. I said, man work? What's man work? He's like, we just carry stuff and like do a lot of calisthenics. Like we carry a wheel, we carry the wheelbarrow, we carry uh, a ball. He just called it man work. And so being from Ohio, it's like probably thinking, hey, they're working on the farm. I'm doing man work. So he wasn't like getting all specific with it. And I think as a whole, our industry, we're so perfect with stuff now, yet we're seeing, I don't know what the rate of injuries are, but at least when I see kids, I'm like, how do we have so many ankle injuries? Ah, God forbid you play basketball or volleyball to warm up or hoover ball to warm up. And you don't jump ropes, so your feet and ankles aren't ready, but I'm doing the, you know, spring ankle series. Yes, but that's like a closed loop. It's so perfect. What about playing tag and jumping over, you know, jumping over things. We don't do that stuff. And so the body is just trained to be in this like perfect place and kids learn to only compete when everything is perfect and optimal. I can't deadlift heavy, put on my song. <laughs> well, what about when you go and play football at an away game and they're, you know, screaming and making fun of your mom or you're wrestling and they got to sign up you know, like, uh, you know, making fun of your sister. Uh, what are you going to say? You know, put that sign down so I can wrestle or get my better walkout song. So everything has to be perfect, which works against 
athletes, you know, and I also think it works against people in life because you lack the grit. You can't fight through just like Matt Gates. He's saying interns are showing up late. 75% of them are quote unquote calling out sick. I would intern today under Matt Gates and Tony. If I was there, I would intern for free after coaching 20 plus years. Yet you got young people that don't want to do it. They want perfect. They want to graduate college and have a paid job immediately because they got a college degree. The two interns I fired, one of them was finishing his master's in physical therapy. I fired him. He sucked. Hmm. You know, with the imperfect thing too, I I think about, I think there's also a lot of power in there on the level of like variability and, and not just... Like one, it does, I think, to be more adaptable. And I also think too, like when I was in college, I always wanted to sprint with the wind. And I, I agree. I think most sprints should be with the wind, most of them. But I think every now and then, you should mentally be able to see to sprint into the wind and get worse times. I'm not saying do that all the time. That would be like a chaos monkey day. Like like right. maybe once in a blue moon, hey, we're going to sprint in the wind today just because you're going to, I want you to deal with it. I want you to deal with seeing a time that you that maybe you don't like on the stopwatch, you know, uh, and and mostly just for like the mental aspect of that to be not so attached. Oh, I have to be like this, and it's got to be like this. It's like all right, feel what it's like to sprint in the wind, you know. Like you're gonna have a few meets like that. I don't, we're not gonna do it all the time. We're not gonna do it most of the time, but every now and then. But I was thinking about to me, it's it's not even just that. It is it makes you stronger. Like I think it levels you up not just mentally, but I think it levels you up physically. There's a I, I've had on and off Achilles issues over the years. Most of them have been solved pretty substantially by using Gary Ward's wedges and learning to move my heel bone around. And that really, really helped. But they came back just last year. I was uh, running a trail in minimal shoes a lot last summer. And it's a trail, so it's, it's better for your Achilles than running on the street, for sure. But I, there was one day I ran for like 40 minutes and was doing all this stuff and throwing some like kind of being creative, like throwing single leg bounds in just for fun on the, cause I don't like just running for 40 minutes. That's like, you know, I, I, I like treating it like a Spartan race. Anyways, my Achilles, right Achilles was lit up after that for a long time because it is minimal shoes and it does stretch the Achilles faster versus actually having a little slant in the shoe. That's why the slanted shoes came out. And what the cure for that was, it's like, yeah, I could have gone back and done all the heel stuff, but I've already taught my heel bone how to move. I don't think I really... I didn't feel like I needed to lean into that again at the moment. And so the solution ended up being running. I've talked about this on the podcast is running in the creek bed, running from rock to rock to rock to rock. Like I run like a half mile, a mile like that. The first time I did it, I ran about a mile and a half, like just down and back, down and back, down these just basically jumping across random rocks that are all obviously shaped different, slanted different, different sizes. Some of them you can only put your toe on. <clears throat> but dude, I'll tell you, within two weeks of doing that, maybe I did it like three times, my Achilles already felt almost 100%. And it's just because well, it's just like you're getting a stimulus, but you're also getting a crazy amount of variability. You have a task that's forcing you to like really be mindful of your foot every time you put it down. Maybe I have to really tense it hard. Maybe I have to do, you know. And also too, I think running the creek, you're not going to your Achilles never really gets stretched out unless you land all weird. And even then it's only one or two times. So who cares? And then, and then I, so I was loving that. And I felt too, like I would go play ultimate Frisbee once a week. And that felt like that prepared me really well for that. And then I, I think it was, uh, I had DJ Mirakami on the podcast. This got me uh, the idea of there were some big old rocks. There's these big ass rocks at this waterfall at the end. So I'd run down the Creek on all these rocks. I'd find the rocks, do some deadlifts of the rocks, go run back 
go, you know, do a loop, come back and do it again. And I, my body felt so good after this like rock running, bounding, rock lifting type thing. And I do push-ups of the waterfall too, so I got a little upper body. But just like your body feels different after doing things. It's almost like buzzing. It's like alive. And I'm not saying like lifting yeah. weights is awesome too. Like I've I've felt very buzzing and alive after like a heavy deadlift or squat, like that potentiation. But there's something different about the day after doing that kind of like in nature, organic movement. It, it was just awesome. And so I was like, yeah, like there's something, obviously there's chaos here, but there's also something that your body just likes in working yeah, in that we, environment too. It, it reminds me when we were in the garage, not far from my house, just kind of around the corner was the water towers, which was the woods and it was on a hill. So the guys would sprint up the driveway area, which was a good, it was probably 400 meters, maybe 500 meters. They sprint up, but then they'd come down like through the trail and they'd have to jump over trees that were down. And it was very quote unquote imperfect, but they were bounding. They were doing all these, you know, advanced plyometrics that were trying to implement so perfectly. Just do three of those. No more than three. Rest yeah. three minutes. Your your nervous system needs to rest. And uh, I'm not a fan of that style of training. That's so damn perfect. And you mentioned like when you would run into the wind. You know, it's interesting. At being at my school, I'm around all the kids. And so in the fall with cross country season, hey, how did you run? How was your race? It was hard. It was like really, you know, the uh, park was very because it rained so much and, da, 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 and it was like they were they just had this laundry list of reasons as to why they can't run well because it was wet because it was muddy and um if you ever i know you watched that show uh, without li- that movie without limits with pre-fontaine he's running when the oregon guys come to visit him he's like running through the woods and they're falling and you know mm-hmm. one guy's pants like almost fall <laughs> off and he's like he's like hey you guys you guys okay like he's laughing at them because he was used to that and uh, what was cool for me is in high school my best friend ran track all year round so we would run together i would run for my wrestling and we would run through the woods we would run at uh, Rutgers stadium on a saturday night after a football game we'd hop the fence we would run in like just all these kind of different places we were near a park and uh it got us better at running and i don't ever recall my friend talking about like having all these excuses and today it's really normal and i think as coaches we are you know part of the problem because if you get too smart you want everything perfect uh what was that movie with kevin costner with the track team he's out in like san diego like very close to the border of mexico and you never saw that movie where he builds them into like a state champ uh, track team. I'm going to have but, to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it was a great movie. It's a good family movie. But basically, the kids couldn't train after school sometimes. He'd be like, hey, where's Joel? And they're like, Joel has to go home to work on the family farm. Or he can't come to school. He's working on the farm. He's like, all right, if, if everybody's going to be working on the farm after school, we're training at 5 a.m. And he would take them to different places. One place he took them to was like maybe a construction yard where I don't know what it was, but there was like piles of sand and dirt. So they would have to run up and down and up and down. He would train them in these, you know, different environments. And it reminds me a lot of what I still see with wrestlers um, in the Russian mountains, you know, Azerbaijan and all that, Dagestan. 
you see them running hills and nobody's got a polar monitor on nobody's got a yeah. gps but they're olympic gold medalists like just working and then they get to the top of the mountain and they they're doing like halos with a stone they're doing clean and presses and nobody's like rest now 90 seconds because we need to have the appropriate rest to stimulate mm-hmm. the anaerobic system and blah 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 they're just working and it's very free and i think it has a carryover to their wrestling and uh, i posted on twitter something with like russia and of course somebody has there always needs to be somebody who has a negative comment hey let's address the elephant in the room and they link to an article of doping i'm like look <laughs> everybody who has half a brain knows that the russians were doping for decades I said, but what I think we should all be learning from is their developmental model, all the multiple sports and the implementation of gymnastics and overall athleticism in the younger population so that when it's time to specialize, they have such a wide base of strength and coordination and confidence and the ability to learn. Because if you just play baseball all the time, I've see, I see kids with such weird imbalances that I know I would have identified it in my younger years as a coach, but now I'm like, what WTF is that? Like they do push-ups and their body is literally slanted at like a 45 degree angle. Oh, because that's just one, yeah. Yeah. Like they got one foot pointing one way from playing <laughs> soccer so many years and they, they can't walk with their feet straight ahead. They're like stuck in a duck footed position. And it's like, here you go. Play soccer all the time and never play another sport. And now your feet are turned out or play only baseball. And now you can't do a push up. Your body is like crooked because this one side is tight. The other side is loose. One side is strong. The other side is, you know, super awkward. And if, if I coached baseball, I'd get like a young kid to help me with the skill stuff, but I would play games. I would sprint. I'd get them batting to both sides. I'd get them throwing medicine balls against the wall and throwing them on the field. I would develop them full body power and athleticism. And uh, I would be doing band work and just sprinting from different positions. Why? Because when I watch kids play baseball, they have to dive to make a play. And then they have to like blast out of a push up, or maybe they go to one knee and then they throw it to first base. And I start looking at it like, wow. They need to be very explosive. You know, they don't need agility, changing of direction, but they need to be able to react quickly. So I would do reactive games. You know, what do we see? We see every baseball team warm up the same way. You know, they do their hip circle. They do the same warm up you and I were talking about. They lunge side to side, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't think they're really developing. Then you got an arm care program. What about the rest of the body involved in pitching? It's just arm care. You know, it's such a weird world we're in. And I think we've just gone too far to one side of the, you know, spectrum of special. We're, we're past specializing. We're so far down that spectrum. We're like detraining these kids. I wanted to take a quick break from the show to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, simplyfaster.com. Simplyfaster.com is a fantastic coaching resource, not only on the level of their blog and all the information they put out, but also on the level of their online store. With the click of a button, you can see and purchase the technology that is utilized by so many of the world's great coaches. 
In SimplyFaster.com's online store, you can have access to training technology such as blood flow restriction training, timing systems, including the free lap timing system, bar speed tracking devices, a variety of resistance training machines, such as the K-Box, and also Kaiser training units, which Kaiser training units being strongly recommended by sprint coach Randy Huntington, for example. You'll also get access to motorized sprint training units, such as the 1080 Sprint, force plates, and much more. You can check that all out by heading to simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, with the imperfect, you got my, my brain running too, Zach, on back when I was in high school, like, like when we have to make things, oh, rest three minutes for this and don't do any more reps and, you know, don't do right. more than three reps here. Dude, I remember when I was in high school, I, it was my senior year and it's interesting how things kind of go in waves. Like the year before I'd done a plyo program, like a good one, like a depth jumping program. I, I put like five inches on my running single and double leg jumps. Like, so pretty substantial. And I had been training for a long time. So that was like, that was awesome. But then the next year I took the school strength and conditioning program uh, in the fall. And then after that was over, I just kind of was lifting in my basement. And my, I only did one lift during basketball season. And it was, I had like a bench press rack that was kind of a squat rack. Like you really had to squat under it to squat it. I had to do this weird staggered thing. And I, my dad had bought me a video on this like high jump training program. So I took a cinder block and then put like a brick on top of it. So it was like 10 inches tall. I did step ups with like 300 pounds. I, I think usually I was working about 250, but like I was doing just, I would just go downstairs after practice to a set of 10 each, couple sets of 10 each leg. And that was literally like, Maybe a couple other things, but that was about it. I mean, so that was imperfect in and of itself. But what was interesting too is after practice, our my coach was running the shit out of us. Not like mindless running. And you mentioned even like the softball players running. Like, hey, if they're sprinting and competing, they're sprinting. It's not like mindless pole to pole work, you know? But he was sprinting us and we were going hard. It wasn't like, hey, just run these lines. It was like, hey, we're going to do this court suicide. And hey, Joel, I, I know you're the fastest guy. Beat the point guard. And it was that over and over and over again. Like, I seriously. I swear we were almost doing it like every day and we would do a lot. The coach would do these sprints that he's like five for the team. And it was just like a full court sprint as fast as you could race everybody. And it wasn't like, you know, a lot of like track, you know, in a track program, in a perfect world, you would say, all right, well, hey, you know, we're going to take at least 48 hours, maybe 72 hours between these sessions. You sprinted really hard. Dude, this was like almost every day or every day. And one day I remember after it was after all these sprints. It was like after I had done all this stuff, we had been running for maybe like we practiced for a couple hours. We ran, sprinted for maybe 15 minutes or whatever. I was done with that, shook out my legs, and I went and I jumped to see how high. I just felt like buzzing with energy. I'm like, I don't want to see how high I get the freaking backboard. So I go and I jump and I touch my, and I'm six foot six one with about an eight one reach. And I touched and I jumped and I touched about three inches above the top of the 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 square that's above the hoop so that was about 11 7 so the top of that score is 11 4 my head was almost in the rim and i was like exploded off the ground after doing all that stuff after racing after running day after day after day the only lifting training wrong yeah yeah training training the wrong way yeah and and, uh, the change of direction i think was really helpful too there i was i i i I reminisce on that a lot and i was like it wasn't just a straight line it was like the change of direction i feel like is really good for also getting up off the ground but like just neurologically and energetically, my body was solid. And I wasn't thinking like, and I didn't think of it like training. I thought, well, I got to do this sprint, got to beat this guy, got to adapt, you know? And yeah, when I write a training program, I'm not just going to write, all right, I got this new client. I'm going to every day online is, you know, <laughs> change of direction, max efforts. You know, it doesn't work like that when you're not in that environment. But dude, that, that, 
hooked me up in an uh, extremely helpful way. And I remember the next year I went off to college and did a much more like, and it was a lot of longer running too and like a heavy weightlifting. And you know, I think being able to produce force is great. But my, ver- I remember the first time I tried to dunk in college after playing pickup and dude, I was so, I think I just barely got it, like barely. And I was like, what the hell just happened to me? <laughs> like, you know, and it's, it was just, it was interesting to go like those are the things that that kind of made me who I am in many ways, you know, after going through all these things and experiences. And I think, you know, it's like that with all of us, you know, and after going through it or having to train people with certain things and seeing what happened and versus, um, yeah, just always having the optimal environment and always hey, do these drills yeah. that the parents think is, you know, good training. Or maybe you just is mutually accepted, you know, this perfect technique drills and those that working from that perspective. I think yeah. um, like it depends on the coach's personality. You and I are very like free people. Yeah. We're like the hippies of strength and conditioning. You know, we're like freedom. But look, I've got friends that are coaching at high levels, you know, D1 and uh, professional space. And they say like, you know, these, you know, the head people want us doing all these like software testing. He said, we don't train enough, too busy testing. We're too busy trying to like train for the test. And he's like, because of that, our guys are not getting as good as they should. And I don't think I'm ever going to be a heavy duty software type guy. You know, I think if I was using some sort of like velocity test, I would do it so the kids could see and it would inspire them to move the weight faster because I think, not mm. I think, I know there's a, it's important to have that element of speed and to have that competition, like what you're talking about, competing against each other, sprinting. And this generation thrives on seeing numbers and competing against one another. But um, I, I know places that have four different measurements, software, you know, uh, testing modalities. And they're like, man, it's like we're spending more than half our time testing people, and this is not training. And um, what happens is you have too many people trying to be smarter than the other person. So at the high school, I'm the only person that's training these kids, minus whoever they go to when they're not with me. But I don't have, I'm not working with a physical therapist who wants to test something. I'm not working with a sports scientist who wants to add some sort of software. I'm not working with, you know, what, what do we have in the NFL? We have like the head strength ignition and coach. Then you have like the head of sports science, right? Who now has to like help you communicate with the physical therapist, right? There's all these things happening and we're getting people away from training. And I think it might be training people to avoid the work, which uh, I heard somebody recently, I wish I could remember his name, uh, but he said like, you don't want to just train to be a workhorse you want to train to be a race horse yeah 100%. you know you want to train and like you want to do the work explosively aggressively and then be done and move on so you could recover which i'm a big believer in but i think in these younger years we have to teach work ethic if they don't have it because you have to learn how to work in practice kind of like what like what you're saying if you can't practice hard it's very hard to compete hard because your body you know, doesn't know how to do it, right? I, I always say, like, we drive cars, but we wouldn't know how to drive a NASCAR because we don't know how to hit turns at 120 miles an hour. We turn at, like, 45 miles an hour in our car, not at 120 or whatever those guys drive. So if you don't learn that work ethic and you can't do it in practice, you will not be able to compete at a high level because it will be foreign territory 
for your body. And I've been like, I tell you, those garage days, Joel, you know what it was? It was a blend of Rocky three and Rocky four. I was blending like the bodybuilding methods of the golden era, which was a lot of five by five and a lot of free weights. And then I was learning some of the basic of uh, plyometrics, like uh, from like Don Chu and Juan Carlos Santana. Juan Carlos Santana had those bodyweight videos that he did with Perform Better. They were amazing. And I would do that religiously. Then I came across that Polish weightlifting video, seeing them training outside. I'm like, this is the Olympic weightlifting team. They're doing gymnastics. They're playing volleyball. They're playing water polo. They're playing full contact basketball. So I just borrow bits and pieces of everything that works. You know, I'm like you. If you and I work together, we would be very much on the same page, which sometimes is not good, right? You don't want a carbon copy. You want somebody who's going to make you think outside the box or think differently. But I think our uh, industry as a whole, we're really doing stuff so perfectly. And sometimes uh, what's shown on Instagram is like with two of the athletes. And it's like, man, I'm training 45 to 75, 80 athletes at a time. So that thing that you just did with the perfect eccentrics, you know, that, you know, that whole French contrast thing, uh, I can't do it because it won't flow in the high school weight room. But I know what the kids need who I'm in front of. And I give them, you know, what they need according to the equipment we have, according to their needs, according to where they are physically and mentally. So I think what we have is, coaches copying what they see maybe a division one coach doing and they try to implement it with a beginner high school kid. And it's like, it's, there's a lack of context in social media because number one, we don't have the room to like give context. Number two, people don't want to read. They just want to watch the video. So they don't want to read the information you posted in there. But I think you can take athletes to a very high level with this quote unquote imperfect training that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I, I think it's all not to say, not to diminish the value of people who, who do run the numbers. I think, you know, having people who really can dig into GPS, like I, that's something that I'm not, my skill set is not one that would be as attuned to, to running through details for a long Me period too. of time. Like I Me like too. chaos and I find I, I, and people I've had on this show, I think that people who really love chaos tend to be more sport coach type or, or they, they have more play in their training whereas people who are more detail-oriented would cater towards the sports science side it's just different you know different strengths and different play but i think you know at the end of the day too it's got to work it's got to be usable you know it's got to be something that's integrated and you know with that said i'd be curious if if you uh, first have anything else to mention along those lines but i did also want to ask you my my closing question for you in the show is i saw the gym that you renovated in the high school freaking awesome and something that Something I saw that I just think is so cool. And this kind of fits with, uh, like, like I think that with the imperfect, it's also what do we value? And I think the, the, the needing perfect training, I think, shows people value, like, they, they see a position, like a, a running position, for example. Like, oh, we got to be in this position or something. And, and it's like, well, I don't know, were you in that, are you going to be in that position when you're playing on the field? Maybe your knees are a lot lower, you know, just as a basic example. But I think we... We also don't value, like, I, I believe, like, community. Like, there's, like, the environment. I think the community and environment, it, it's obviously really important. And something that I thought was really cool with your gym is you're like, hey, here's this bar. Hey, I had this guy weld these on, you know? 
it's like I had a buddy weld this together. This isn't just, you know, and there's a lot of great equipment manufacturers out there without question. But what's freaking awesome is like, I made this shit or my buddy welded this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, And there's cool. something about lifting that that is, I think it's just different. You know what I'm saying? Like, to, There's a rush of energy yeah. wondering what's the history behind this. But when you mention community, you know what uh, it, it makes me a little heartbreaking is our kids always have to leave right away. They have to go to the next thing. Whereas out of my garage and out of the first warehouse gym, they would hang out. They yeah. might hang yeah. out and talk. They might hang out and train more. Then they would go. I, I always told you like our football players, I didn't do speed and agility stuff with them because they went and played pickup basketball at the local park. And uh, they always played multiple sports. I remember uh, this kid became a coach for me. I texted you about him. He started as an athlete. Then he began coaching for me. Then he interned at Rutgers, got hired at Rutgers. Then he went to Wagner, then Long Island University. When he was at Long Island University, he was the uh, jumps coach and the strength coach for the track team. And he would go out and visit Bushnexnader and get mentored by him. He really wanted to immerse in the learning. Now he's a phys ed teacher at a private school going through law school with like a special program where like every other weekend they do like two 10 hour days on the weekend. And he's, you know, always in this like immerse and thinking, but that group of guys hung out. We did have legit community. We're missing that now because kids are like, I got to go. I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody is on the run. I mean, an, an hour goes by, you know, a dad's in, he's like, we got to go. We're always in a rush. And I think it's, it like kills the experience of sport. That's why, you know, and I learned this from coach Ethan Reeve. He said, Zach at the end, you know, always leave. I don't know if he said always, but he encouraged me to not destroy athletes, leave 10% in the tank. So they might stay extra to do on their own or go somewhere else and do it on their own. He goes, even if it's all machines, he's like, we call it champion training because they're doing extra. It builds their confidence. They have ownership over it. You know, kids don't have free time to do anything on their own anymore. So when kids want to stay after at the high school, I say, do whatever you want. Even if it's wrong, of course, I'll correct you if the technique is wrong, but what if they just want to do arms? Go ahead. Get your arms pumped up. What if you're a basketball player and your arms look strong? I'm telling you, the other team gets intimidated. In wrestling, you weigh in in your boxers. The the match begins when they look at your physique, you know? And so it's not odd for me to throw arms into like a workout because I know they love it. And it may not be a sport performance thing, but it builds confidence. And isn't that a crucial transfer of training? If they believe in the program, that's why I always say like we see pro athletes doing crazy stuff, quote unquote, circus tricks. Well, they are crazy. That's how they're pros. They're crazy at everything. So when they do crazy stuff, they feel confident. They're like, yeah, I'm doing something unique. Um, You know, whatever it is, it builds their confidence. You want to boost your athlete's confidence. Uh, But the community aspect, yeah, I have people building and welding these stuff, but we're missing that kind of legit community because everybody's got to go to the next practice 
sucks. Yeah, that's that's huge, man. It's almost like, you know, within the gym, it's a microcosm of greater things in life. You know, and I, I don't necessarily, this isn't like a political show, but it's like everything is, or I guess philosophical, there's community at large, but like everything, everyone's in a rush, you know, it's like, and it didn't, you know, it's not like, I don't necessarily believe in like the good old days. There was plenty of things wrong in the fifties, like lead poisoning or whatever, but you know, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because you go to, I mean, there was some demographic, um, it's something like these, the more developed countries, the first world countries have higher rates of depression than like medium income, for example. And it's almost like this busyness, like it's this, or even, um, even like with, um, the, also with, um, the bars you have that someone welded together, they're like homemade. I've heard of like a community in Brazil. that's like kind of, um, it's like a commune, but it's like, or like a far, I don't know, like kind of a, this off the grid kind of community where like, the, I'm sure there's tons of places like this, but like the houses, it's not just like these nice rectangle box houses. Like there's like a door that someone got from a buddy, you know, or something like that. Like there's different pieces of the house that tell a story and not things don't tell a story like they used to, you know what I'm saying? And that was just, that I was totally no. Yeah. So I'm not trying to be like, I mean, I'm only 39. I'm not like an old, like a, a good old times necessarily person. I mean, I, I said, I was using like chat GPT, like AI a bunch, like a few weeks ago. I was like, all right, let's see what this thing's all about. I, you know, I, I try to integrate it all, but it's just interesting. It's almost like if we were in 1995 and then someone just poked us and we woke up today, you know, we'd be like, holy shit, this is so different. But it's like year, year over year over year, it kind of sneaks up on you. So it's kind of cool to have these conversations right and yeah so. i bought a old dumbbell i think a week ago a, a globe a circus dumbbell 50 pounds and they were selling it for 30 bucks or 35 bucks how great is that normally somebody would sell it for 200 dollars. Yeah. so i go uh, to the neighboring town to buy it and the dad is there with his son his son looked like he's in his 30s the dad is mid 60s it was the dad's dad who owned it. And he said, I think my dad had this at least since 1960. And it was absolutely perfect. Not a bend in the handle. It was beautiful. I said, well, I really want to know the story behind it. He's like, I, he's like, I don't know what exercises my dad did with it or where he got it. I just wanted to know the history behind it. So I picked up, I, I got lucky these past month picking up some old equipment that has history behind it where I didn't have to pay three or four dollars a pound for it. Because when I used to buy used equipment 20 years ago, I'd pay 15 to 25 cents a pound. Now everything's so expensive, but the history behind it is really inspiring to me. And uh, you know, you mentioned community. The book, I must have sold it on eBay or gave it away. I'm trying to like scan my bookshelf. It's called The Life and Times of the Mighty Adam or The Life and Times of Joseph Greenstein. Oh, spiritual the Journey Mighty of Joseph Adam. Greenstein. Yeah, I got it in my bookshelf right behind me here. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So book. he would leave his door unlocked and there was always like a massive pot on the stove with some sort of soup for homeless people to come in and get a bowl of soup. And I just find that interesting, like, uh, you know, neighbors, you know, what's a, what's a good neighbor do? You know, my neighbors, trees grow and fall into my backyard and he never he never cuts them but i remember as a kid my dad once he started to teach me how to mow the lawn he said you don't stop mowing the lawn at our line you go all the way to mr fortin's driveway mow the whole thing that was like normal activity now like your neighbors are so standoffish Mm -hmm. we're we're missing community because we're in a rush 
we're overly connected to these phones and I think uh, it's hurting us. So that's also a fear of mine to like have a lot of technology in the weight room. Kids are going to be on their phone. How are you going to do a power clean with the phone in your pocket, right? It's going to smell. Oh, I'm going to use the iPad. Now I got five guys standing in front of a TV monitor to touch an iPad. I want to get away for, from it for 45 minutes. I do. And so that's why I've been maybe a little bit reluctant and resistant to it. But um, I think eventually we'll have Team Builder at my high school so we can really track the weights and uh, help kids not miss reps. Like, hey, you're going to do 75% of what you did. That's going to give an, an element of speed. You won't miss reps. But, um, you know, for the coaches out there, they shouldn't be afraid of the imperfect. You want good technique. You want great technique. But don't be afraid to do five sets of five jumps instead of five by three. Don't be afraid to add a sprint into something that maybe technically shouldn't be there, but it gets them working and it gets them excited or it gets them racing each other. Uh, Don't be afraid to do a main lift later in a work out let them play first then jump and sprint and maybe all right they're fatigued turn the main lift into a speed lift instead of a max effort lift do those little tweaks and uh, watch the kids become better athletes and i think our buddy jeremy frisch is right to have a place that allows for open play that also has the option to get coached in whatever you know strength and conditioning is such a that word is so just two-sided. It kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I, I tend to use sports performance as the phrase because that allows us to use a lot of stuff, but there should be obstacle courses for the warm-up. That's yeah. the warm-up or go play tag or go play dodgeball. And so uh, now I'm like, if I play dodgeball, is somebody going to like break their ankle and roll their ankle? That's how I think because I think I got too smart. <laughs> I'm like overthinking stuff. and. Uh, that's kind of like bad. That's why I, I like um, giving the kids that opportunity on Wacky Wednesday because I'm like, oh, we shouldn't really do seven deadlifts. We should not do more than five reps. They want to do seven or 10 deadlifts, go for it. They don't think it's bad, so it won't be bad. But you get too smart, and now everything's perfect, and now you've kind of uh, <clears throat> stopped their ability to thrive in the imperfections of competition which at the high levels of competition, we're winning during times of struggle. That's who the winner is. The person who's more fit, the person who could handle bad position and thrive in poor position, that's who wins. So if your training is always so perfect, you know, you don't build uh, winners, I don't think. Yeah, you could say in a way, I mean, not in a way, but we are, that we are wired for chaos and you need to embrace that fact in the training program. Um, I agree. So, well, hey, Zach, it's been great talking to you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Always Just, great. Yeah. I need to get out there to New Jersey one of these days. But uh, yeah, for now, I have to settle yes. for, uh, for over video. So uh, thank you so much, man. You come out to the beach, play some tackle football, then we'll send you out there boogie boarding, come in, eat some pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We'll do everything wrong, everything quote unquote wrong that actually builds you into a great athlete. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Can't wait, man. All right, brother. Thank you so much.
thanks for tuning in to another show. Appreciate you listening. And if you want to help us out, you can leave us a rating or review on Spotify, iTunes, whatever you're listening to. Would absolutely appreciate that. We'll see you next week.